Galaxy Lights, Coachella, Lightning Bolt Necklaces. 2023 was the year of Scandaval. On March 3rd, one cheating scandal launched a reality TV investigation that generated hundreds of conspiracy theories, thousands of podcast episodes, and millions of dollars in revenue. I'm Jody Walker, host of An American Scandaval. One retrospective story told in three salacious parts. Listen December 26th on the Ringer Reality Feed. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Welcome to Guilty Pleasures on Ringer Dish. I'm Juliette Littman. Delighted to be here today with my colleague, Jody Walker. Hi, Jody. Hi, Juliet. How are you? I'm good. Quick plug for Jody um, and her work. If you have not yet listened to the Scandaval podcast that she did, our three part narrative pod explaining the crime that was Scandaval and why we all cared so much, check it out on the Ringer Reality TV podcast. It's a really fun listen. Even if you think you know everything about Scandaval, you will really enjoy it. You might enjoy it the most if you think you know everything, in fact. It's true. It's a real overarching look, and it explores the true mystery of Scandaval, which is why did we react to it like that? And even if you don't know anything about Scandaval, you can also listen to it. We really tried to create it in a storytelling sort of way. It is a true crime satire. (laughs) Wish I had a a buzzer for that. Which which one? Storytelling? Yeah, storytelling. Uh. What else am I supposed to call it, Julia? I don't I don't know. I don't know. It's a good question. It's true. It's story. It's narrative. It's zeitgeist. It's content. It's meta. It's all the words, but thank you for the plug. And it will play into ultimately what we are talking about here today, I think. Yeah, definitely. We are here to talk about our holiday break guilty pleasures. And two things about that. First of all, not everyone has a holiday break. You know what we mean from Christmas to New Year's, that that time of that nether, that nether time. And the things that, it's not necessarily guilty pleasures, but it's sort of like not quite prestige. I feel like I say this at the beginning of every guilty pleasure pod. I don't know why. Everyone gets the idea. Um, but we're going to talk about the things we actually watched and enjoyed. And also, you introduced a really fun um, term to me over email today, which is uh, meme osmosis, which I have turned into meme memosis. And we're going to be talking about things <laughs> we watch via meme on uh, social media and the like. So, with that in mind, Jody, let's go back and forth, and I'd like for you to begin with um, your guiltiest pleasures from from the month of of December in the last few days. Okay, will do. I think that I had to define meme osmosis because you asked me to, and our producer Sasha asked me to do this podcast, podcast, which I immediately said yes, because I've been dying to get on Guilty Pleasures because it is very much my beat, but I've been so busy with this Scandaval podcast that I haven't been able to do it. I also haven't been able to consume much content. So this was like a working holiday for me. I basically worked through Christmas getting these episodes of American Scandaval out. So the content that I've consumed has been kind of weird and loose. I've done a lot of just like (laughs) consuming theme things, like hoping, like writing them down. Like, yes, I would like to study up on this later. 
But one thing that I have been wanting to just briefly touch down on that I fully consumed before the holiday in December is the HBO three-part cult documentary, Love Has Won. Juliet, I've talked to you about, I've talked at you about it a lot (laughs) through email. Have you watched Love Has Won? I tried to watch the first episode and here's the thing. I can't do cults. Like I just get, I just get... (laughs) irritated. I just like, I don't know. It's, it's not for me, but explain what love has one is about and the cult at the heart of it, because it's sort of like, it's pretty fucking weird. It is actually above my pay grade to, uh, <laughs> to explain the, the cult at the heart of this, of this documentary, because even the documentary can't explain it. It's like, nobody knows what these people believe and what their like fundamental truth is. And it's actually a great starter cult documentary. As anyone who's sort of like listened to me on enough podcasts would know, I am from Waco, Texas. And I would say (laughs) that my, yeah, I'm from Waco. (laughs) And my interest in cults starts there. Um, I have a big interest in cults. And this cult documentary is really unusual because it's rare to look at a cult and in the end, the main person who's harmed by it is the leader. Mm. And that is the case here. So it it actually goes down a little easier. It also basically starts with a corpse. And I know that's not a winning, <laughs> I know it's not a winning argument, but it is true. And you don't see that a lot on TV. You do not see a lot of documentaries start with a corpse. What's their foundational ideology in this cult? And what's it called? Okay. The documentary is called Love Has Won, The Cult of Mother God. And their foundational belief is just in this woman, Mother God. Her name is Amy Carlson. We meet her early in her life throughout the documentary. And she is a deeply normal blonde woman who (laughs) is like, you know, a restaurant manager. We see her singing karaoke. She's very pretty. She has a child very early. She's in a few bad marriages. And I'm not kidding. Next thing you know, she's starting a cult. Like, it It happens like that. She meets a man called Amerith White Eagle, and he tells her she's probably a deity. And she says, you know what? I probably am. And basically just creates an entire sort of religion around that, which very much is based on her being called Mother God and her calling any man that she chooses to take to bed Father God until she reaches the ultimate Father God, whose name is Jason, and is just a Nick Cage character waiting to happen. He's absolutely deranged. We meet him in a hotel room, just like raw dog and beer and pizza. And things get really turned up from there. And what's unique about this cult is that it mostly takes place online. They are Hmm. live streaming themselves constantly. The people that they choose to put in front of the camera are very attractive. And like their main gig as a cult is just kind of like selling candles and like colloidal silver. And you both have those interesting elements and then like just the extremely like salacious can't look away from element of that this woman, Amy Carlson, Mother God, is slowly becoming an alcoholic. They are medicating her with colloidal silver, and you just watch her turn blue over the course of the documentary. Like, you watch her turn (laughs) blue, and you don't see that a lot on other TV. I think it's like, it's probably my— People turning blue? Yeah, you you don't see that a lot. You don't see that a lot um, in a documentary. Maybe you see it. (laughs) 
in Marvel. I'm not, you know, this isn't the Ringerverse, but it feels sort of Marvel-esque. It does not feel human-esque. It's it's a They think it is right up until she, spoiler alert, wait five seconds, dies. She super dies. I don't think it's a spoiler. You started with the fact that she's dead. I didn't say who the corpse was, Juliet. (laughs) Well, it's the very beginning of the show, so I did, I did make it that far. It's true. It's true. You don't have to worry about that part. If you are into cults and you somehow haven't watched this yet, watch it. I have a question. Is there, like, a, like a, a place where, like, the cult enthusiasts, like, cult content enthusiasts, like, coalesce to talk about, like, what's coming? Like, are you, like, anticipating the next, like, cult doc? That is what's so crazy about this love has one thing is like, I'm a, I'm not on Reddit. I don't really know how to use it. But like, mm. I'm a cult person. I got my eye on which cults are happening and like strange and suspicious behavior as we might get to in Mimosmosis. This was new <laughs> to me. Like this woman, this blue woman was brand new. Mother God, Father God. Father Meta God, like this was all, this was brand new. So if there is a community that anyone would like to tell me about that I won't be extremely scared by and that isn't a cult, feel free to reach out to me on DM. I didn't even just mean like about just like cults that are active, but more like what's yeah. the next Nexium scandal or what's the next like... I think that's what's so interesting about this. Just like it, when it comes, it comes. And then people just watch it. But like Nexium came in the news. Like I was reading about Nexium. Yes in the news before that yeah. documentary Thanks came the, out. The girl from, what do you show she on? Veronica Mars? Something? Um, yes. Thanks yeah. to, se- no, um, sorry, uh, Smallville. Smallville. Thanks right. to Al- several Smallville cast members <laughs> who were infiltrated by Nexium, especially Allison. Uh, yes, that's how I, but like, unless I just missed a couple news for- stories, Love Has One was brand new to me. Agree. That's why I'm like, I find it so interesting because like there's such like a, a deep interest in these cults, but I don't feel like there's like, well, there's you no just kind usually don't know about a cult until something crazy happens. I know, but even in the PR strategy, like the network isn't like necessarily being like, oh my God, this crazy cult, ch- come check it out. I feel like these just go viral or like they just become hits. Like you put it on the homepage of a streaming app and people are going to watch. Well, the thing about Love Has Won is that it was actually operating in 5D, which is not an astral plane that I am currently on, and I guess that's how I missed it. <laughs> wow. Well, I don't think you did. You knew about it right away, and then... Well, I, I knew about the documentary right away, but I just, I did feel scooped as a cult enthusiast. I felt scooped by I HBO. Feel like, but I feel like we're having two different conversations. <laughs> I'm not asking you about cults. I'm not like, do you know the next cult? I'm saying cult docs. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know the next cult doc. Right, that's what I'm saying. It's weird that there's not like a lot of buildup around it. I'm sorry that I took such a defensive tone, Juliet. (laughs) Well, I felt... I felt felt accused of not uh, being on top of my beat, and it's true, I wasn't. But don't... But back to my... I'm like, no, Uh I'm like... Engage with me, Jody. Don't you think it's... Don't you think it's weird, though? Like, I know about the next season of Bridgerton in five months. No, because, like, I don't think that people know about documentaries the way that Mm. they know about the next season of Bridgerton because, like, they're out there, you know, filming these— you're seeing them film Bridgerton. You're not seeing them in a hotel room with Jason Father God (laughs) filming him. It's just not enough. It's not in pop culture until it is. Mm. It's it's very unique that way, where it's just, like, it just drops, and then it's, like, a thing. It's wonderful. You got to get in on this, Juliet. 
If there's one thing that this Guilty Pleasures podcast is going to do, my goal is to get you in on cult ducks. It's not going to happen. It's just not. I'm sorry. Okay, I just I'll set a more it. attainable goal. I don't have, I just think I don't respect it. I'm just like, I don't understand. Like, I'm just like, step away. So I just can't. I mean, I understand it preys on people who are vulnerable, but it's just, I can't, it's just not for me. What is for me though, is similar. No buildup. And then it arrives and I'm, I'm so happy. Harlan Coben presents on Netflix. Are you familiar with Harlan Coben shows? No. Okay. They're like crime thriller mysteries that are based on Harlan Coben books. Harlan Coben is a very tall novelist who lives in New Jersey. And many of his books have been adapted for the screen into different television shows. There are like three or four on Netflix. There was one called, um, well, the, the one that just came out is called Fool Me Once. And it stars Michelle Keegan, who I know because she dated Max from The Wanted, but she also is like a British TV star. Um, I was like, this person looks really familiar to me. And then I realized... Knowing someone because they dated Max from The Wanted <laughs> is, a, is a pretty rich, deep cut from someone who was just <laughs> acting like cults were too deep of a cut to get into. <laughs> it's a different... It's a different cut. <laughs> um, but... At the beginning of COVID, there was this show, Stranger, that I was also really into. That was a Harlan Coben and a show called Safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, there also was Stay Close. Oh, yeah. Okay. Like all, these are all, they see, they're like seemingly generic crime thrillers on Netflix. And they're all based on Harlan Coben books, who has, again, I just want to stress, he's from New Jersey. His books are set in New Jersey. These television shows are all set in generic English, like, excerpt. And so huh. it has, like, the names of a place that's, like, Seaside, but it's like some random place in, you know, England and not like Seaside as in the Jersey Shore, though in the book, that's what it is. And they're just like these really formulaic, like step by step, always a red herring, unfolding this mystery, kind of violent. Someone's evil, but you don't know who the big bad is. I love these shows. And um, Harlan Coben has like a long deal with Netflix, but I was worried that it was going to end because there was last year was a Amazon Harlan Coben show. And it was like, ah, it was set in America and used American English. And it was so much less fun. I was just like, didn't even watch. So when I turned on my television this week, shortly after the new year to find a Harlan Coben on Netflix, and it was fool me once with Michelle Keegan, the former paramour of Max from the wanted, as we all know, I was so excited. I actually just slow myself down from binging this show. Like if I, if I was able to just like sit down and watch it, I would probably just spend the whole day doing it. I I love them. And there's a few people in my life who I always text to be like, oh my God, there's a new Harlan Coben show. And that includes Chris Ryan. And I, yeah. So on January 2nd, I started watching the show. If you're just looking for something and you have a high tolerance for like violence, that's like just kind of like in the background, then I recommend it. How do you think this one took you by surprise, Juliet? Like, like, like we said, you know, when there's a new season of Bridgerton coming and you're a big fan, is it part of the, the mythos of it? I, it's like a really good question. A secret? There was a long article about Harlan, like Harlan Coben Industries like a year and a half ago, I think in the New York Times. And I think it's just sort of like similar to like James Patterson novels where like the industry sustains itself. So PR is not necessary. And this is definitely like the James Patterson of television. I mean, I think James Patterson fans probably also like Harlan Coben novels. And so it's a similar type of thing where you're just like, all right, it's there. I'm just going to watch it. And the algorithm finds you. And if you watch one, they feed you the rest. Um, and you know, it's like the equivalent of walking into Barnes and Noble and like seeing the table that has like the pulp mysteries. Like, you know, I, I wish they had like pulp mystery shelf on Netflix, but I don't need it. Cause I just, they offer it right up. 
Yeah, and you can just drop in. I can drop into this one without having watched the oh, previous definitely ones. Definitely do not need to. Definitely <laughs> do not. That's for sure. However, I will say one of the guys in Fool Me Once was also in um, the one from 2020 that was called The Stranger. And I was like, how do I know this guy? Everyone on a Harlan Coben show, you're like, how do I know that how person? Do know? Where did I oh, see they him dated before? Max from The Wanted. That's how I know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, very much in this thread, and I swear we did not plan this because I had no idea you were going to tell me about the height of this author, but you have told me about a very tall, prolific novelist of of these books. Now, I would like to tell you about a prolific series of novels about a very tall man. (laughs) Because the show that I was like most desperate to be watching while I was still continuing to work is a little show called Reacher. It is based on the series of 26 novels by at least 26. It might be be more now. um, By Lee Child about a former major in the army named Jack Reacher. And I wrote about this during season one for the site. The series uh, airs on Amazon Prime and the second season premiered uh, in like mid-December. And in season one, I discovered this show. These novels are for dads. This show is for dads. My, so, like, my mom has watched, has read like all of these books. Like, okay, amazing. Yeah. So I'm then I do not want to disclude her. This show okay. and these books are. I would I say the books exclude. It's exclude, but it's nice. <laughs> I do not want to. It's a very special word that I say <laughs> for your sweet sweet mother. Um, I would say, yeah, like the books are for, like, I would think the books are like kind of for dads. The show is for everyone because the books are about this, but the show is especially about this. And it's about one thing and one thing only. And it is how giant Jack Reacher is. Like, (laughs) yeah. Can we just pause on that for one second? What's up? Do you remember the first Jack Reacher adaptation? Are are you referring to the one starring Tom Cruise? Noted short man? I sure am. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it was a pretty big deal when the Jack Reacher film came out starring Tom Cruise, who is 5'7", if he's an inch, on an Apple box. And <laughs> people who are real fans, such as your mother, I assume, um, were appalled, shocked and appalled by this. And the legacy of Jack Reacher uh, is more than making up for it on this show, which has cast Alan Richson, who is, I believe, in real life 6'3". Jack Reacher is 6'5". Okay. 6'3 on TV is like seven feet. And I don't know what he is doing, but he is tearing himself (laughs) like he's 7'5". And they're like, they never miss an opportunity to make him look as huge as possible. And it's just, it is worth watching for that alone. And it's always like, you know, Reacher's getting himself in some predicament where there are a bunch of guys coming at him and you're like, oh no, what is Reacher going to do? Well, he's just going to beat the shit out of him because he's huge <laughs> and he can. And he's always like, and I ha- and Alan Richson is so much more than just big. He really is very good in this role. And like, they absolutely lucked out. I also have to say, after season one, I tweeted something, or I think I think I wrote in my article, like, I give it exactly one more turn of the Fast and Furious franchise before he is cast as a villain who will ultimately become a hero. And you better believe he has already been cast as a villain, <laughs> and in the next one, he'll be a hero. So oh, Great. Love it. Um, I feel like my theme is, like, 
kind of like violence and crime because the other two shows that I also ca- caught up on during my break were Slow Horses and Fargo, which I feel like are kind of like of a piece of this. Those are not guilty pleasures necessarily. Like I feel like I feel like they are given more gravity than that. I think part of that is like they are not necessarily like dad core, though I think most dads would like them. But I actually just want to say, like, I don't even think they're like that dissimilar from everything else we're describing. The writing on Slow Horses and Fargo is definitely more inventive than I would say on Harlan Coben's Fool Me Once and Smarter. But like, I'm just sort of like doing crime TV right now, I guess is my point. And so are you, I think. We're doing mysteries. We're solving (laughs) mysteries, whether it be by size or good writing or an amazing performance from Juno Temple. I likewise... She's so good. She's so, so good. Fargo is just... I love it. it's, we're in season five of the TV show, and it's the it's honestly the first thing I did. It, like as soon as I finished the podcast, I couldn't wait to catch up on Fargo, and I did it in two sittings. Um, and it's so good, and yeah, it's not a guilty pleasure. It is prestige TV. However, is it still though? That's the thing. I actually think both of these shows have like the veneer of it, but I don't know that they are. I mean, they're really enjoyable, but like I actually don't think either is prestige. Just my take. I think that Fargo is pulling off some pretty delicate balances this season that are... Between camp and crime? Between camp and crime, between, like, talking about, you know, what's going on in this country without, like, actually making any statements. It's coming from the point of view of 2019. I think, like, the sheer performance of, like, Juno Temple and John Hamm lends a certain amount of prestige. But what I really love about Fargo in general, but especially in this season, is that there are also, like, a handful... I mean, Juno Temple, you know, is coming off of Ted Lasso, which is a comedic show. I mean, it has, I guess, its serious moments, but it's kind of taking a handful... She's so much better in this. It's, like, not even close. Well, the writing for her is just so much better. She she really has a lot to, to chew on, a lot to do, a lot to explore over the course of these episodes. You see a lot of change in the character and she really slowly unveils the character to you and but it also has like Joe Keery from um Stranger, Stranger Things, Things who's him. just you know a terrible like character but he's really it's such a different role and he's really good in it, it has Lamorne Morris from New Girl who is also great and fits so seamlessly into this like very established Fargo world and also uh Risha Morjani. She's so good. Never, Never have, have I ever. ever. As yeah. like the signature female police detective. In, and she's she's so good in it. I'm just really happy for them. Me too. It's a, I feel the same way. It's like a great cast. It's it's really good. Um, okay, my, my last one that I wanted to share, my ultimate comfort at all times. Like in any time of, of like, just like, just, I don't know, discombobulation, I turn to one place. And on Christmas, it comes to me. And that is the Call the Midwife Christmas special, which is, I think Call the Midwife is like one of my favorite shows of all time. Have you ever watched it? I haven't, but I'm just now, I, 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 it's, I've absorbed it a bit through osmosis, well, but also doesn't she say yes. in Fargo, what does yes. she say? She's saying all the reasons she has to go home to, she's been, spoiler alert, kidnapped. And she is like, we just started called the midwife. There's 13 seasons of that show. <laughs> and that's correct. There are 13 seasons. Yeah. Um, they're hour long. I believe episodes. she says 10 seasons because it's in 2019, right? <laughs> you know, it's funny. She says 13. They forgot <gasps> to correct it. Shoot. Great point. One but, flaw. One flaw. <laughs> um, it's a really like just a wonderful show. It is like 
it has the same spirit of like decency and humanity that I think uh, we all projected onto the Golden Bachelor before we found out that Gary was a grifter. Sure. Um, it's just so pure and like I don't know, it's silly. And yeah, I love a doctor show, sure, but like it's not just a doctor show. It's about nuns and it's about a neighborhood. And it's about some medical professionals, but like, it's just always different people coming in and out. It's classic case of the week fair delivered in a beautiful, comfy hour. I just, I fucking love it. And so the Christmas special every year is like such a delight on Christmas. So is it on like its 13th Christmas special? They do a Christmas special every year? Yeah, I believe so. Wow. It's really good. That does sound like a warm and fuzzy thing to tune into. It's really, it's, it's like legitimately a great show. I know it's like, that's like for moms and like grandmas, but like, it's really good. I swear. Recommend I it. it. It's on Netflix. It. <laughs> well, to completely turn the wheel towards the disgusting, or, or just towards, like, just not heartwarming. Um, <laughs> these are the things that I have been consuming through meme osmosis on Twitter while I've been working, and I've sort of, like, put a pin in to... I still haven't decided if I should catch up on them, and maybe you can tell me. Those okay. things are Saltburn, which is a movie I have completely watched and consumed through Twitter. And I think I will not watch because I don't necessarily want to solve the mysteries that have been raised to me by Twitter. The next one is Gypsy Roses released from prison, which is, of course, a story that I followed live, you know, from the first, I guess, BuzzFeed News article, I think. Uh, I watched the Hulu show. I'm in on it, but I'm, I know very little about her release from prison, except that she is now married. And I saw a clip of her on The View where Joy Behar, like, (laughs) accidentally walks her into saying the phrase, yes, murder is bad. And Natalia Grace Speaks, which is a similarly, or I guess the show is called Natalia Grace something. And it's now in season two. And Natalia Grace is older and speaking. Okay, so um, I feel like Gypsy Rose is the most important thing here. And mm-hmm. for me, that's also what's been coming to me through me, Osmosis, and also mm-hmm. page6.com. Mm-hmm. Did you catch that she's uh, related to Stassi Schroeder? Sure did. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's turning up Vanderpump. But I think it's like they're like 10th cousins. And yeah, it's like I assume you married. and I are 10th cousins. Like, yeah, totally. <laughs> that is quite separated, but but I'm glad that somebody did the work and I would like to see her at Sir. I feel like, could you see Stassi just like bringing that up to like get some attention? Like, because here I am talking about her, you know? Absolutely. I mean, Stassi will have, will have Gypsy Rose on her podcast. And <laughs> oh, Gypsy yeah. Rose will go. She is very much making the, the, the press rounds and she got like 6.5 million followers on Instagram. Are you surprised at how much people care about Gypsy Rose? Because I guess, like, you know, obviously, I remember the article, the Munchausen's. It was, like, I think it was after Munchausen's came to the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. But there was a real Munchausen's moment in general. And, uh... Well, let's be... Gypsies is Munch, Munchausen by proxy. <laughs> sure. Sorry. Um, Yolanda, Yolanda was accused of <laughs> Munchausen. <laughs> Right. And this is Munchausen's by proxy. Correct. We each get one correction on each other per pod. <laughs> um, and I, then I know there was like the Hulu show with James, Jamie King or whatever. But I guess I'm just, or not Jamie. Yeah, her name is Jamie King, right? Joey King. Joey King. Jamie King is the model who's in one of my favorite movies, Slackers. Tough. Um, anyway, 
I just was surprised that people were so ready to jump back into this uh, content machine, but I guess I'm just wrong. Yeah, I mean, I think like every generation gets this sort of like Amanda Knox moment it deserves and people are just ready to sort of dig in. I'm surprised by 6.5 million Instagram followers. I mean, that is... It's a lot. I'm not surprised in the interest, but like the, yeah, like the sheer quantity is is pretty wild. And I think there was, you know, people started, the the talk around it started gearing up before she was even out. And then she has certainly, she's she's towing a tricky line. Um, she has certainly leaned into the attention while also saying that, you know, she regrets what she did. And it's, it doesn't seem like it's going to end. It's something's going to blow up. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree with you. It's just, I guess, people are back for the Gypsy Rose machine. We'll be monitoring that space. (laughs) Um, Anything you're looking forward to, Jody, in your guilty pleasure free time? Oh, my goodness. Well, when does Bridgerton come out? (laughs) We've been talking about that all podcast, and it's just like, I'm I'm ready. I want it. I can't wait to. No, it's June. It's a while away, but I'm really excited as well. It was exciting. Um, Yeah, we'll have a great, we'll have a great spring, you know? We're ready. Um, oh, I did want to mention another show, which is Belgravia. Did you watch season one of that? No. It's a Julian Fellows show. Oh, um, what's it? And so what's it on? It's on um, like MGM or Epics. It's like hard to find, but it was also okay. like early, early fair in COVID. I think you can get it through Amazon, but um, that's having a season two. He's not involved, but I'll take anything to be in like the Julian Fellows type space, especially with a lack of Gilded Age right now. Yeah, yeah. And I know you'll get there. I know come epics or high water, you will find your way there. (laughs) I definitely will. Um, We'll be back next week with more Guilty Pleasures. Thank you so much, Jody, and our producer, Sasha Oshel. And we will talk to you soon. 